If you want to listen to that song again this week, you can search for it. It's called Open Up the Heavens by Meredith Andrews. And I thought that was a fitting song to start off this message with because we are talking about Revelation, the end of times, everybody's favorite scary book in the Bible. I have to tell you, when Max Locato watches TV with his wife, one of their, fir- one of their favorite TV shows is Extreme Home Makeover. Do uh, you remember that show? Uh, it documents the, the heartwarming story of, of selfless but struggling and maybe a, a helpless family that, that needs a home. They've, they've done a lot in their community. They've served others. But they're just things have fallen by the wayside at home. And the neat thing about this show is that the community, under the direction of the producers, they rally to build a new home in like five and a half days for these needy families. This show will, well, it will steal your heart and it will stir you to tears. Um, I, when I watch it, there's always Kleenex available at my house. Everything builds to the moment. And those of you who have seen the show... What happens? What's, what's the best part? What's that moment? What do they say? Move that bus. Go ahead and say that. Move that bus. Yeah, and then they, they pull the bus out of the way, and then here's this home. And, and they cry, and they hug, and oh, it's great. And they have this home, and it's tailor-made for their specific needs, or, or maybe something that, that their family had missed out on. Uh, and, and so it's just it's great. And this is a picture in my opinion, of the book of Revelation. We're, we're finishing the story with this message. And the book of Revelation presents to us the triumphant Christ. We're, we're assured that in the end, God wins. It's not quite that simple, but it is. God wins. You see, at the time this is, this is being written, it appears that Rome rules the world. John, the apostle, he, he's on exile in the island of Patmos. Uh, but things aren't what they seem. You've got all these good things happening in Rome, and you've got John, a follower of Christ, uh, exiled by himself on an island. And in Revelation 1.8, uh, just in case you're wondering, we're going to be in the book of Revelation, so you can go ahead and turn there. But Revelation 1.8, John writes, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Things aren't always what they seem. As we take a glance at the book of Revelation, and and I've only got 20 minutes or so, so a glance is what we're going to get. You're going to have to look at it yourself. But as we take a glance at the book of Revelation today, we're going to see some different things that, in my opinion, should encourage us and give us hope. You see, the book of Revelation to most people, Christians included, is it's misunderstood. It's scary. It's scary to read. It's like, oh, it's all this punishment and spewing and destruction and, oh, I don't know what to do. And, and I've, Christians read the book of Revelation and they, they're like lemmings. They're running around looking for something to jump off of. Oh, it's the despair. You know it's true. It's why you're giggling. It's gloom and doom. We're just, just looking for a place. Let it happen. But it shouldn't be that way for us. The book of Revelation for the Christian is about Christ coming back. We call it the second coming. And in my humble opinion, I think it's going to be awesome when it happens. Wayne Smith once said, the second coming of Christ is the hope of the church, the solution to human history. Tennyson called it the one far-off divine event to which the whole of creation moves towards. Did you know... In the Bible, there are 300 different references to the first coming of Christ. And there are 500 references to the second coming of Christ in Scripture. Let me set it up this way. The first coming is a matter of of history. The second coming is a matter of prophecy. 
In the first coming of Christ, Christ redeems the souls of men. In the second coming, He redeems the body of man. In the first coming, He redeems the individual. In the second coming, He redeems the saints. In the first coming, Christ came to convert. And in the second coming, He will come to control. The first coming, Christ came to earth as a resident. He lived here. He walked among us. In the second coming, He will return to earth as a ruler. These are not things to be feared. They, they are things that as Christians we should celebrate. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for people like John who, as you revealed to him what he should write, he did so. I thank you that we have your word in front of us today so that we can read it not to be alarmed or, or scared, but to be excited about what your plan is for us, about what your plan is for when the time of return happens. I pray, Lord, that what we hear will apply to our lives. We'll, it will settle in our hearts as foundation. And we will live to be a better reflection of you because of it. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. There are a few things we learn in Revelation. Uh, first off, the triumphant Christ stays with his church. We want to, I'm going to start out in Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 through 16. And uh, in, in Revelation 1, starting with verse 9, John writes, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of, of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, Write on a scroll what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. Verse 15, his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Can you imagine that? I would be afraid. You would probably be afraid. But once again, the book of Revelation, it's a book of, of sounds and images and numbers. The lampstands are the churches. That, that's how Revelation works. There's, there's imagery there. John, as you read through Revelation, think about John as, as an artist with a palette. A palette of metaphors, if you will. Revelation, it's more a book of imagination than explanation. It's more like a symphony than a sermon. You can't read it like you would a history book. You need to read it with your heart and your mind open and then probably with a dictionary and a few other tools at your side. But it's not just a sermon. It's more like theater than a classroom lecture. That's part of the problem. We go into Revelation and we think we're being scorned for some reason and we're not. We're being prepared for what's to come. Some more interesting facts about the book of Revelation. The number seven is used 54 times in Revelation, being the number of completion. So with Jesus visiting seven of his churches, it means that he visits all of his churches. 
you, you'll see that in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 when you read it this week. The book of Revelation, it presents to us the very center of the universe. You may think, well, how, how can that be? Well, when you jump down to Revelation chapter 4, starting in verse 1, look at what John says. After this, and, and this is all the things he's just shared in chapters 2 and 3. In case you're wondering what this is, you're going to have to go and read that to see what this is. But after this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me, like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what, you must, what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. I don't know what heaven looks like. And to be brutally honest, I'm probably a little bit more skeptical than others when I hear stories of people saying they've, they've been to heaven and back. Now, I'm not going to discredit any of your stories that may have happened in your life, but I have conspiracy theories about everything. This is just one of them. Um, but I think, I just don't always know, because you don't know what people are really saying. But I know this, John is given this gift. He is given this vision, and he is given an opportunity to glance into the center of the universe, so to speak, and he shares it with us. So to be brutally honest, I don't really need your interpretation of heaven, because John gives us a really good one. And he says, the, the center of the universe is heaven. And the center of heaven, and the center of the heaven is a throne. And there's somebody on that throne. It's not me. It's not you. It's not your favorite teacher. On that throne is our triumphant God. He's sitting on that throne. Folks, Rome was not in control. Let me go back to that point earlier. Rome was not in control of the world. They thought they were. But the reality is God was in control. I want to tell you a secret. I'm going to bring you all the way back to 2015 now. Washington, D.C. does not run our world. God does. All right? In case anybody gets concerned about that. God runs our world. And our God, He's up to something. In case you're wondering. He, that something is the revelation of His glory. That's, that's what He's about to show us. The center of the universe is full of the worship of God. What are we waiting for? Revelation 4, 6-11 tells us even more. Starting with verse 6, says, Also, in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. I was blessed beyond most of you because I was able to grow, most of my life, grow up in Florida, what I like to call the promised land, God's country. And when you look out and you see the sea, and it's just glass, and it's beautiful, it doesn't matter what coast of Florida you're on. I've seen the sea when it was rough, pre-hurricane days. I've seen the sea be tumultuous, if you will. But to look out and see the sea just glassy. Surfers are sad when the sea is glassy. But it really is something to behold. I just can't imagine that, that in front of the throne of God, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal, in the center around the throne where four living creatures were, four living creatures. They were covered with eyes in front and in back. Verse 7, the first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Here's the really cool part. 
as if that didn't get your attention. Day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to Him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For You created all things, and by Your will they were created and have their being. Brothers and sisters, the good news is, if you want to know how the world ends, it's the one and only Christ prevails. That's how our world is going to end. Not any other way. Not by anyone else's hand. Scripture tells us, Revelation tells us, the one and only Christ will prevail. And you know what else? The church, His bride, prevails also against Satan and all adversaries. I'm not making this up. You can read it in chapters 5 through 9. You've got a lot of reading to do this week. See, because Revelation is large. You'll read about it this week in verse chapters 5 through 9. And you know what else God does? God creates a new heaven and a new earth for His redeemed people. That's something you can get excited about. I want to jump down to chapter 21. If you're ever feeling in your life like the battle is lost, or you're overwhelmed, or you can't keep up, mark this in your Bible, and go there from time to time. Revelation chapter 21, I'm going to start in verse 1. John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Verse 2, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Remember chapter 1, verse 8? We started with that. He, He said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. And here we are in chapter 21, and he says it again. And he brings about, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. You know, Max Locato talks about visiting a well in, in Ethiopia and working uh, with World Vision to, to, um, to dig a well. Excuse me, he, he went to Ethiopia to dig a well. He didn't visit a well. He, he went there to dig a well for fresh, clean water. They just didn't have it. And he says, you know, the, the well has been dug. They're, they're bringing this fresh, clean water out of the well. And he writes that when the, the Ethiopian women want to express appreciation and love and gratitude, they make an unusual sound that's kind of a clicking. And, and as he is praying with the community and, and praying that this well would, would continue to, to provide water, all these women start making this clicking sound. And, and he just says, you know, it was a sound of gratefulness for something that they could have never gotten on their own. 
The reality is, all of us want a new home. All of us need clean water. And that's kind of a living picture of Revelation right there. Just imagine being around that well. And God is is giving this free water and we will never thirst again. Revelation chapters 21 and 22. It's got some really captivating imagery in them. You see, the book of Revelation, the, the whole Bible presents the truth that God will make all things right. Genesis starts out, it presents the creation of the heavens and the earth. Revelation presents the new heavens, or excuse, the new heaven and earth. Genesis tells of the creation of the sun, moon, and stars. Revelation tells us there is no need for the sun because God will be the light. Genesis tells of paradise lost. Revelation presents paradise regained. Genesis tells us that Satan uh, was somehow in the first garden. Revelation tells us that Satan is banished forever from the new garden. As I understand it, the word new in new heavens and new earth and new Jerusalem mean rejuvenated, not replaced. So revolution, revolution, <laughs> revelation, <laughs> revelation is not a book to be feared. It's also not to be taken lightly. There are many things that were revealed to John in the book of Revelation, and, and I couldn't even pretend to really scratch the surface and the depth of what's being revealed to John in this book. But he does a good job showing us that Revelation promises a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. The question that remains is, will you be there? Can you see it? I want you to do something with me. And I, I always put out this disclaimer because, especially on Family Sunday, because we always say at Family Sunday, you never know what's going to happen next. But I promise not to throw anything at you, okay? With that, you have my word. I think everybody just close your eyes. Close your eyes. No, I won't touch you. I'll stay right here. Just close your eyes for a minute and, and, and think about the things I've read. With your eyes closed, picture this. Picture this new heaven, this new earth. Coming. Jesus is, is coming. And this new heaven, this new earth, this new Jerusalem is coming uh, on a cloud, like I said. B- but hold on a second. In your mind, picture this. There, there's a big cloud in front of it. Like, can you see this big cloud in your mind? That, that's kind of, it's in front of the new heaven and the, and the new earth, and, it, and it's kind of, you can't really see what you just saw a second ago because there's a big cloud in front of it. Keep your eyes closed and think about this. As you picture this, here, here comes Jesus and the new heaven, the new earth, but there's this cloud. That big cloud actually looks like a, I don't know, maybe a giant bus. You see it? It's a big, huge, giant cloud-shaped cloud bus in the way of the new heaven and the new earth. Can you see that in your mind? Now imagine this. Imagine this. Stay with me because it it, it works if you really do this. You have to really picture a new heaven, a new earth, and and you know Jesus is coming. You know he's, He's behind this big cloud bus giant thing. And then all of a sudden, imagine this in your mind. You hear the angel shouting, Move that bus! Do you hear him? Move that bus! There's your new home. It's everything you've ever read about is going to pale in comparison when that cloud bus moves. And here's God. Here's Jesus. The, the 24 elders. Holy, holy, holy. The, the animals, the, the creatures that I just described. You can open your eyes. I don't want you to fall asleep. But you picture that. And everything we think we know about heaven... Everything we think
all about God is just going to pale in comparison when those angels say, move that cloudy bus. And then here it is, your new home. And you will be that excited. You won't be able to contain yourself. The biggest question. And, and, and then it gets even better than just that you get to see it because then God is going to be there saying to you, well done, good and faithful servant. But again, the biggest question is, will you enter into the home that's been prepared for you? On that day, everything we will have ever experienced will have been worth it all. Everything you have done to prove faithful to God will be worth it all on that day. The question that only you can answer, will you be there? I want you to be there. I, I say all the time, my goal is to get to heaven and take as many people with me as I can. That's my goal. Today, we finish up the story. I want you to remember, the story has been all about God wanting to be with you. Do you want to be with God? We finished reading it, but now it's time to go on living the story, showing God that we want to be with Him. If you're ready to continue out, to continue living out what we've learned, the time is now. As we prepare for our response time today, my prayer this year has been that you will just simply respond accordingly to God's Word. Now, if that means today that you're ready to make a first-time decision for Jesus Christ and confess that He is the Lord of your life, Declare that you will live for Him and submit to Him and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now is the time for you to respond to God's Word. If you need prayer or just to, to speak with one of our elders about something that's going on in your life, this is a time for that. Uh, by the way, every Sunday morning at 9.10, right over here in the corner in our library, there's someone in the library praying. And if, if you don't want to come forward for prayer right now, come next Sunday. Somebody will be there.